Good morning, everyone. Um, thanks so much for joining us here on Tuesday, May 31st, 2022. It's the last trading day of May. No, we did not get our uh, May flowers that we asked for. In fact, over the last month, it's been more of the same that we saw in April. Um, and let's check in on the markets. If you hear a loud banging noise, that is because our next door office neighbor is moving in and they're totally tearing up their tiles. And so that's the explanation there. So we were waiting a couple minutes for them to stop, but I imagine it's going to happen throughout the stream. Uh, good thing we have good mics. Uh, so I hope it'll be bearable. Checking in on the markets today it takes a few minutes for all this to kind of load up anyway. Um, the NASDAQ is is now down and going down even more so, down 0.56%. The S&P is down 0.9%. The Dow is down 0.71%. And this is in the face of crude oil futures actually climbing over the weekend to $119 per barrel. The commodities inflation continues. Gold is at $18.55, about stable um, per ounce. And in bond world, actually yields are down over the weekend. The 10-year note is trading at 2.86%, the two-year note at 2.55%, and the three-month bill at just about 1.058%. So, um, and checking in in crypto land, let's go to coin market cap. Bitcoin is actually up, recovering a little bit trading at almost 32,000. So it's at 31,600 per Bitcoin. ETH isn't recovering as, as much. It's at 1960 per ETH. BNB at 318, Cardano at uh, 62 and a half cents, XRP at 42 cents, Solana at $46, Dogecoin at 8.5 cents, and Polkadot at $10.22. So thank you for joining us. Don't forget to hit that like button uh, for this new channel we have here for Morning Sense, where we uh, try to give you the market open and the business news compiled for you every single day within hopefully like 20 minutes. And then we do a bit, bit of Q&A and raffle giveaways uh, towards the last 10 minutes of the show. You can find us on podcasts and uh, you can always join us at, on our meeting pulse the link in the description. And here is the uh QR code if you want to use your phone as well on the screen every single time. All right. The big news over the weekend is that oil prices gain as EU, the European Union, commits to a partial Russian crude oil ban. And so a pledge among EU leaders to curb oil purchases from Russia lifted crude prices while stock uh, stocks have fallen today, reigniting volatility in the markets. Again, everybody's afraid of inflation, elevated inflation, elevated oil prices, elevated energy prices that will crimp economic growth. And um, this is a partial oil embargo of Russia over its invasion in, uh, in Ukraine. But in order to get uh, in order to get Hungary, I believe, to sign off, they needed to uh, they needed to only make it a partial ban. So let's see, you ban, let's see, yeah, Hungary, uh, fuel imported via pipeline is ex exempted. So it's kind of a toothless ban because it's banning oil that's coming over on tankers or on, on trucks, but the oil coming in through pipelines are carved out. And so it's just a partial measure. And uh, we dig, deeper into this in money talks that comes out as usual on the main channel in about 22 minutes.
All right. Another uh, macro story we have here is that Biden pledges to back Fed in effort to combat high inflation. He said he would support the Federal Reserve in its effort to combat high inflation by reducing economic demand as the central bank lifts interest rates at its fastest pace in more than three decades. Mr. Biden outlined a three-part plan, and I read it. It's very broad uh, for addressing inflation. It was an op-ed piece published yesterday in the Wall Street Journal. Um, we can kind of go through it here together just to, you know, we, we go over this. This is another segment in Money Talks. But uh, first, he said the Federal Reserve has the primary responsibility, I think, kicking it back to them. Uh, second, he said we need to take every practical step to make things more affordable. we got to keep, uh, I guess, making Putin pay, but then, you know, trying to pass clean energy tax credits, which may, in my opinion, take just too long, um, cracking down on exorbitant freight fees, housing stimul stimulus to build more housing, medicine, et cetera. So, and then third, we need to keep reducing the federal deficit, stuff like that. So it's a kind of a short op-ed. You can read it in the Wall Street Journal. That was another piece of, uh, and we kind of dig into it and argue about that a little bit in Money Talks. The next story we have here is that summer, there is a summer worker shortage as we've had, I mean, just summer now, but we've had a worker shortage for a long time. Pools, restaurants, and camps cut operations, even though demand is back, labor costs are higher and so are prices and people aren't applying as much. There's a chronic labor shortage in, in Phoenix, for example, less than half of the public pools are opening because the city can't hire enough lifeguards despite offering a $2,500 incentive payment. Uh, household savings are at, at all-time highs. Labor force participation is at all-time lows. And so just there's a scarcity of workers and what's it going to take to get people back to work. So quit rate versus job openings rate by industry. Um, here, there's total non-farm um, quits versus openings. And here we have way more uh, openings and way more quits, especially in the accommodation and food services. Makes a little sense with COVID. I think maybe there's, you know, I see comments all bound on, on online. It's like, oh, people don't want to, you know, work accommodation jobs and rude people and all that stuff. So um, that's where you're seeing the most quits retail, arts, accommodation, food services, stuff like that. Put it in the comments if you have an idea. Thank you to the almost 200 people here in the chat. Don't forget to like the video. We give away money every single time. If we hit 100 likes, we're at 42 right now. That guy is saying oil isn't the problem. Uh, it's a lack of refinery capacity. I think it's endemic across the whole industry. There's, there's a lot of different things happening, actually. Uh, I think throughout the supply chain, uh, but I agree with you in the in that a big piece of it is that um, is that there's been underinvestment in the oil and gas industry over the last five to ten years, especially with the ESG wave. We talked a little bit a little bit about that, um, but yeah, I am here for Roic. We are actually diving deep into um, the actual uh, equity research reports that are pages and pages long about the oil industry. Um, so check out some of the research that's coming over the coming months. Going to crypto land. Uh, Fidelity digital asset plans to uh, double headcount this year. You have Fidel Fidelity, a subsidiary of the, you know, 
the bigger Fidelity investments. It's called Fidelity Digital Assets, and they're planning to double their headcount, planning to add 110 employees into tech roles. They're really doubling down into um, into crypto. So this is, uh, I think, more than anything indicative of customers wanting to have exposure to crypto in their Fidelity retirement accounts, and therefore Fidelity trying to meet that, that need um, for its customers. Next crypto story, India to finalize crypto consultation, uh, consultation uh, paper with the IMF, World Bank input. India is expected to release a uh, consultation paper on cryptocurrency regulation with input coming via the World Bank and the IMF. In, uh, crypto is very especially interesting and important in these kind of emerging economies like India when they can't really, they don't rely on the stability of their own currency as much as we can here in the United States or, or even in, in, in Europe. Um, so India's economic affairs secretary has said, a, you know, that the paper's finalized soon. Um, the details were absent about the paper, but it's likely to seek to strengthen India's commitment to some sort of global regulations on crypto. Uh, India is a big, big uh, country for remitt remittances and crypto threatens or uh, is for, for someone like me is very optimistic into uh, its disruption of remittances to and from the country. But it would undermine, it would undermine the uh, underlying currency of the country. So cool. So going to the next story, Unilever to add activist investor Nelson Peltz to board. Uh, Unilever said it would add Nelson Peltz to its board and disclosed that his fund now holds a 1.5% stake in the gigantic consumer products company. And um, they own Dove Soap and Hellman's Mayonnaise, just a bunch of these types of stable staples. Um, and the fund is called Trian Fund Management. It's a very famous fund. Um, Procter & Gamble, Heinz, Unilever. These were the kind of consumer stables companies that we all, I guess, know about. I'm not really sure how interesting the, the companies are. Uh, let me know if you own any of these big P&G, Unilever, Procter & Gamble types of uh, Kraft Heinz companies in your portfolio. Um, cool. Uh, Samsung reportedly cutting smartphone production by $30 million. And so all is not, not well in smartphone land. The industry was headed for a slowdown well before COVID. Uh, the glory days of expanding markets and biannual upgrades are seemingly at an end and things have only been exacerbated by two years of financial hardships and supply chain constraints. For all these reasons, um, a new report from South Korea's uh, uh, Mail Business News has the world's leading start smartphone maker ramping production down by 30 million units for 2022. Uh, you know, comes as sales are further hampered by the conflict in Ukraine, stuff like that. Um, so that's just another piece of news. It's kind of a light news day. All righty. So let's check back in on the markets. Uh, the market continues to fall. The NASDAQ down 1%. The S&P down 1.2%. Again, I don't think this. Uh, we are out of the woods yet. And uh, I will repeat that until we see inflation turning over. Thank you for the 200 people here live with us 
uh, on market open. So we got through the news. It was a pretty light day here in 15 minutes. Going to Finviz. Finviz is not actually updated yet. Um, let's check in on some of our hot stocks. Tesla is down half a percent at 7.55 a share. Palantir stock about flat at 880s share. PayPal down 1.6% at $84 a share. Okay, and Finviz is now updated, 15 minutes delayed. About red across the board with some strength around Apple, Google, Amazon, Microsoft. Um, Microsoft down 0.6%. Visa MasterCard down about 1.4%. And oil and gas companies are up yet again. But everything else pretty much red, except for maybe Estee Lauder. Awesome. All right. So we can keep this today's episode short and snappy. MCLRU is saying you always read the crypto prices wrong. I don't really know how I do that. Let's, let's take a look again. 31,700. Oh, well, that changed real quick. $31,388.54 is what this is saying per Bitcoin. 1944 $1,946.01 per ETH. Let me know how you would like me to read you your news. Thank you so much. Let's go to the raffle. Oh, we haven't hit 100 likes, so um, let's just go to a couple Q&As and wrap it up. Keep this short and snappy. This is just getting you your news. I don't like to sit on, sit on, a, uh, on a podium and pontificate about the news too much. Uh, we got stocks to look at and 10Ks to read. Uh, Kay Schiller shows March home prices up over 20%. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a year-over-year -year number. Um, and the year-over-year -year number, I think everyone knows that home prices are up, but so are rents. Uh, the average rent across the U.S. is now expected to hit $2,000. And that's pretty scary. So uh, I, think, I think and hope that home prices will moderate and come down, especially because Biden is trying to push through a, uh, a home affordability bill that will incentivize home building. I'm all for that because we are invested behind, uh, we are invested behind home building, but maybe not all the home builders. Um, cool. Thoughts on Datadog and Fortinet, I think, or is that, oh no, net is uh, Cloudflare, I forgot. Down 2% today, 58 bucks. Let's take a look. They're probably way too expensive. We've looked at uh, cybersecurity stocks. Um, and so that's that. Let's look at net. So net is trading for 20 times forward gross profit and something non-meaningful over EBITDA because they are basically running at a break-even pace. Yeah, it's too expensive in this market for me. It's still high growth stock. And they're growing, but they are growing very fast. They're growing at like 40 to 50% a year. So it's, again, it's like very speculative. I think, uh, what else? <clears throat> wow, we got a lot of chats, a lot of opinions today. Um, and Datadog. Datadog's too expensive too. I can just, spoiler alert. So $98 per share. $30 billion, again, 20 times gross profit, non-meaningful times uh, profits. So, I mean, there's very little profits to be 
to justify the $30 billion valuation. So again, data dog too expensive for me, for my style, but maybe, you know, you think that, you know, it could work with your style, a growth style. But I think, um, yeah, I mean, for something growing at uh, 50 plus percent a year, yeah, I mean, it could be fair, but what is the terminal value? What is the terminal value will be very much affected by perpetuity growth rates, by overall inflation and rates which we actually like the, which is the long end of the yield curve affected by all that. It's like, who knows, right? So when you're, uh, when you're kind of guessing and trying to analyze what the value is of a, of a growth stock where all the value happens in year 15 in a terminal value on the DCF, it's, it's really hard because then you're basing your investing decision on the terminal value, which is determined by like, overall macroeconomic kind of growth and discount rates, cost of equities, cost of debt, stuff like that, which is, um, I have no clue what it is. That's why I go front end of the yield curve, front end of the cash flow curve in times like this, high cash flowing businesses at low valuations. But again, and instant is saying Datadog is one of the only tech stocks that beat the rule of 40. Yeah, I mean, like, I think they're amazing companies. Datadog, uh, Cloudflare, they're all amazing companies. The question is, what is the what is the right price? Like I, I love watermelons. Would you buy? Uh, would I buy a watermelon for five hundred dollars per watermelon? The answer is like no. So again, I think like just at a certain point, a stock is a certificate of a partial ownership of a company, and so price matters. Which is what I've been saying since I've even started on YouTube. Um, okay, cool. Let's go to the next one. How do you, how likely do you think a brief rally will happen in June, July or thoughts of it happening? There's been talks of it. I really hope so. I think what would be a catalyst for a brief rally is if CPI um, turns over and continues to turn over a little bit. If I go to this chart, if we see CPI numbers continue to decelerate in the month of, for the data in May, I think the market will have a reason to cheer. But are, would we be out of the woods yet? I'm not quite sure. Good thing the labor market is still holding up quite strongly right now. Um, so that's why, that's why I'm not 100% in cash, by the way. Like that's why when I talk to ROIC members and we'll talk more in our private ROIC stream, ROIC stream, here at like 1130. That's why it's it, it, my target is 50 ca 50% cash 50% stocks, which kind of for a static portfolio, which kind of leaves me in the athletic stance to go do to do what I need to do. Um, given the face of uncertainty, if oil prices remain elevated and inflation kind of re accelerates, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a, that's like, that's a complete possibility too. Things can always get worse. All right, cool. That guy's saying Goldman's was projecting REITs to fall hard. REIT, I've said this time and time again, REITs follow much more like the bond market. It's like a, a yield issue. So if rates are going up, affordability, like rates are going up, then REITs might fall. I don't know if I fully agree with that. Um, I, don't, I just don't. I'm not a REIT investor. It's, there's no point in a REIT for me. Um, cool. 
Oh, we hit 100 likes. I'm going to give away one raffle, do another Q&A, and then we'll wrap it up. This might be the quickest morning sense out there. And the thing is, so just remind reminder, we give away and do Q&A here on the Meeting Pulse. Scan on the QR code and link always in the description. So start raffle, starting the raffle. All right, so the winner should have a pop-up in your Meeting Pulse portal. Okay, another question while we wait is Square, Block, obviously beaten stock, but Jack focus in one company. Banking Charter, is their turnaround possible? Owns Micro and SMB going up market now. Mm. So Square is trading at like, still not a good valuation based on profits because a lot of those profits from the Cash App were from a crypto boom that is now sort of popped at this point. I mean, it's trading at like two and a half times sales. Yeah, like a one to three percent free cash flow yield. If I don't know if I can trust that. Seventy-five times forward price to earnings, with kind of stagnant current growth. I think if you were going to believe in this com- company, you need to believe that they keep growing, and that's an execution play. It isn't really like riding a wave anymore. Can they keep penetrating? Can they keep becoming the bank of the future? I'm not really quite sure. There's actually increased pressure with other point of sale systems on the commercial side, such as Clover, such as Toast, such as some of these other ones. And with the Cash App, yeah, like there's a crypto wave that they rode up and they kind of rode down. And peer-to-peer payments, you know, it's not the most monetizable thing yet. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it doesn't speak to me right now. But um, if if you think that they're the bank of the future, you know, go ahead. I think an interest. I think what's more reasonably priced is weirdly enough, SoFi. If you go to SoFi, trading for under seven billion dollars, and if you're going to be like the speculative play of of bank of the future, you know, they're trading for four times forward sales. They are profitable. It's still expensive, but it's come down quite a bit. Um, I think the the interesting thing about SoFi is they only have like a billion in revenues. So if you believe that they, they become some sort of bank of the future, uh, I mean, you look at even Square. Square makes $18 billion. So the valuation matters less on the SoFi front as long as you think they can really smash it and hit the b- ball out of the park and grow leaps and bounds, be a $10 billion a year company at some point. But let's see if we have a raffle winner. Gordon T. Congratulations, Gordon T. You won 25 bucks today. We'll reach out to your email later today or tomorrow. Um, Bobby Brad is asking what happened to Money Talks. Is it posted? Yeah, Grace is saying it's posted, so it should post in about three minutes here. Um, okay, Jay Bagnulo is adding some more uh, more context around SoFi, which makes me change my mind from what I said. SoFi's annual meeting is voting simultaneously on $72 million of dilution and a 20 to one reverse stock split. Yeah, I mean, I'm not buying, let's be clear. I'm not, um, I'm not gonna be buying SoFi, but if you're banking on the bank of the future, now there are a few other ones out there. Dilution is an issue. 
when things aren't going well for a tech company, which actually goes to instance question, what would you, which he's saying, he or she is saying, what would your advice be for folks considering joining tech companies now since a large portion of comp is in stocks? Um, yeah, I mean, I really like stock-based comp because I have a higher risk tolerance in my life and I would rather, I've, I'm focused much more on the upside than like cash, taxed cash that I'm giving up. But that's just me. I think, um, oh, Jay Bagnuolo saying 72 million shares is getting diluted on SoFi. So that kind of goes hand in hand. They need very expensive software developers, which is hard to find, especially like good ones. And so software developers want high upside, high cash, but you can't pay everybody, you know, 400 grand. So especially competing with the Googles and the Apples and the Microsofts and the, uh, the Amazons of the world. So you have to pay in, in stock. Now, I really like stock because, uh, especially in private companies, especially smaller private companies, because you share in the upside. If you all make a great product that grows, then that your wealth will grow much more than you would if you earn another 100K taxed by the tax man net 60k etc um but yeah i mean like in this environment where stocks are going down it's a little hard it's a little hard it's a little hard to buy uh stock-based comp meaning try to earn stock-based comp in something like an apple like if you go work for apple and you have a bunch of stock-based comp but you know that the market is coming down and we're in a bear market it's like it's less about growth because Apple's such a stable company. So I think it's a fair question to ask, is stock-based comp less attractive today in a bear market? The answer I would say is yes, it is, if you are in a more mature company. Awesome, thanks so much, I appreciate you. We are hitting 10 a.m. and uh, we did this in 30 minutes with time to spare. Felt like this was a more chill one. Less news, more chatting. Thank you so much, uh, Roic members. We will be doing our stream here at 1130 AM. And, uh, so check us out then Eastern time always. And thanks so much for watching here and we will see you tomorrow morning. And until then, happy investing, happy trading and, uh, happy Tuesday. Bye.